Time now for the Penn State Guys Sports Spectacular with your hosts, Larry Smith, Brad Sturdy, and Mike Kegley. Penn State Sports Spectacular, where we ask the question, what's next? Larry Smith, Brad Sturdy, Mike Kegley, Tony Cordero is our producer. Joshua Ewing on audio. We've got Penn State writer Shane Thomas on deck to talk more about a, a bit of unrest ahead of Saturday's kickoff against Rutgers. The Nittany Lions have another 10-win season staring them right in the face, but understandably, it may feel a bit hollow for a program and a fan base expected um, that expected so much more this season. Uh, setting sights on wins over Ohio State and Michigan and then going 0 for 2 and now searching for a new offensive coordinator. Um, first up, though, Coach James Franklin in his weekly news conference. Yeah, this this was my decision. Um, but obviously, you know, I, I don't do anything um, in, uh, in a silo. Um, I run run things up the ladder and, and have conversations. Um, but th- yeah, this was this was my decision. These are tough decisions, right? And what makes it even tougher is it's hard to keep things quiet. Um, I think we did a pretty good job of it, but it's hard to keep things quiet. And not because we're trying to hide information from you guys, but I'm just trying to be respectful of the process. I'm trying to be respectful of Mike and his family. I'm trying to be respectful of our quarterbacks. I'm trying to be respectful of the team. Um, then I want to call all of the quarterbacks' families so they're hearing it from from me and explain kind of how we got here. Same thing in recruiting. So it's just a lot of moving parts that you're trying to keep as quiet as you possibly can. So people are hearing it from you, not reading it on, on social media. Um, but but with Drew, um, I met with all of the quarterbacks first. They were the first um, to know. Met with them before the team meeting. Then I addressed it with the team. Um, then the plan was um, for for them to call their parents after practice and let them know. And then after practice, I was going to call them uh, and talk through any questions or concerns that they had. Um, and that plan went according to plan, except for uh, while we were at practice, it, it leaked out. And then you know, the parents found out before I was able to get to them. But besides that, the the players heard the quarterbacks heard from me. Uh, the players heard from me. Um, it's something that we don't take lightly. Man, the the offensive woes for the Nittany Lions are are really hard to fathom. Obviously, they have a quarterback they have who's twenty one TDs to one interception. They've got some running backs. They've got wide receivers. They've got the pieces are there, but man, they have not been successful offensively when they need to be. And the, those two games. Are Ohio State and Michigan? Yeah, and I, I struggle. I'm of, of two minds on this because first off, you know, Yursich was very much, um, you know, tied in, and uh, you know, with with his quarterback. And do you really want to break that? And and I'm not certain. You know, things obviously didn't develop the way they wanted to. But the other thing that I go back to is. Right now, you've got Coach Franklin, who's kind of stuck behind Ohio State and Michigan, but not just Ohio State and Michigan. If you go back into the record books, the the Ohio State and Michigan are winning at historical highs for two teams that are incredibly high on the win list anyway. 
I almost wonder, you know, you, you got to figure out how to get the team together. And I look at this as a roster construction issue. They needed to get a wide receiver in the transfer portal and they didn't. So you have a, you have a sophomore quarterback who's really good. You got two running backs. You got a nice offensive line and absolutely nobody who can get any separation for the quarterback to throw to. I, I think the mistake was made during the transfer portal time. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. I, I do think I think Lambert's fine, but they're they're more possession receivers. And then when they do get um, you know, they're guys who can't make plays down the field. And we've seen that they haven't made big plays in the running game this year either. So when you're not making big plays running game or the passing game, man, it's really hard to score without explosive plays. Now, when I look at Penn State, though, here's my question. You know, they weren't just, you know, th- those scores with Ohio State and Michigan, 20 to 12, 24 to 15. Those games weren't that close. Not I even mean, close. Yeah, they right. scored on the last possession in both games. Like a, that, you know, it was twenty to six against Ohio State. They score late. There's twenty four to nine against Michigan. They score late. The whole not going for the whole going for two, not kicking extra point. That created a, a interesting uh, post game conversation too, because obviously you wanted to keep your team alive lo- longer. So most people would have kicked the extra point, but yep. hey, James Franklin didn't. The the question become for me is like do does this team come out like fired up against Rutgers and try and put the and, and Michigan State to win out and get back to that ten and two mark that seems to be pinning their their pin and two um that's their record but do they try and get there or does this team go you know what it just isn't working and they don't have quite the same edge and I'm telling you what Rutgers is a physical and tough team who will battle them if they're not ready to play. Yeah, Rutgers' defense is tough. Rutgers' offense may make Penn State's offense look like the uh, greatest show on turf, though, because watching them last week against Iowa, they got the goose egg. Now, uh, Iowa's got a good defense, but you also have to worry about motivating your Penn State team if you do the – now, I know that football isn't like the associative uh, uh, law in math, but ultimately, you know, they – Penn State destroys Iowa. Iowa destroys Rutgers. Now Penn State has to play Rutgers. This is, if there's ever a trap game, this one is it, especially coming off a frustrating loss. But we'll see what Coach Franklin has. You know, he's built a heck of a program here. And maybe you just wait for maybe like something to happen to Jim Harbaugh, you know, as unpredictable, as predictable as he is. Maybe something will happen to him and he won't be coached there. I, yeah. I don't know if you need to shuffle the deck that much at Penn State. Yeah, I think that's fair. And the other thing about Jim Harbaugh is, you know, Michigan, we, we forget Michigan a few years ago wasn't Michigan that they are today. And, and so, and and they were like, they gave Harbaugh a pay cut, remember? <laughs> they, they gave him a pay cut, and then he went to back-to-back college football playoffs, and they're 10-0 this year. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think Penn State's got to, it's kind of, you almost have to let it play out and see what happens. Try and upgrade through the portal and and get yourself to a level where you can compete with a Michigan team that's going to be replacing a quarterback probably if he goes to the NFL. So we'll see. Joining us now to talk more about this is Shane Thomas, a Penn State's writer for CNHI. Shane, good to have you back here on the show. Um, you know, this is one that is we just discussed. Uh, when you score 12 points against Ohio State, 15 points against Michigan, uh, things weren't working out. And um you know, look, give uh, James Franklin credit. At least he held on to this offensive coordinator for almost three years, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. It, it's uh, 
a three-year run with Mike Yersich. And I mean, it, it, I think, I think it was time. Uh, you, you go and, and you play against Ohio state and it felt like, you know, they tried to establish the run in that game. Couldn't get anything. I mean, 26 carries 46 yards in that game. And then they just, I think they got a little bit out of character and they, they were like, okay, we have to throw. And Drew Aller throws 42 passes, only completes 18 in that game. Uh, so I think he probably had a little bit too big of a workload at that point, but it, but you kind of have to when you have a deficit. And then I felt like the game plan against Michigan started fine as far as the run game. Uh, they, they established it. They ran the ball really well. And then they kind of, they kind of made some weird decisions that put them in a bad spot. And then they didn't start throwing the ball, which, I mean, you want your quarterback to be in a rhythm, but they had only thrown, I believe, what, 10 passes by the, by the time, you know, you know, they threw 13 passes in the, in the fourth quarter. Uh, they had only attempted 10, I think to that point. So um, they kind of got away from, you know, the balance that they've wanted to have. And it just, you know, I, I think, you know, coach talked about it after the game. He's like, you know, you have to you have to call enough easy passes to kind of get the quarterback in rhythm. And I felt like they they just kind of got really off track early and it it ended up costing them later in the game. Tell me about this and kind of getting a little bit of X's and O's, a little bit inside baseball, I guess. Um, this is a team that um, you know, as we talked, steam rolled through the first part of the schedule, right? I mean, but to be fair, outside of Iowa, really weren't really tested. Um, you know, maybe, maybe the way that some other elite teams are. Um, was there anything in in those games when things were rolling and cooking and scoring and winning that any idea at that point that there was something broken about this uh, this offense or or the scheme? I think once you once they got, I think once Penn State got farther into the schedule and they started having those slow starts where things weren't quite clicking. I mean, I think what West Virginia the first pass went seventy yards for a touchdown. So it's like everybody's expecting that, and Aller throws for three twenty five, but it's also West Virginia. And so you go against Iowa, and I mean, you score thirty one there, and they just bludgeon them with the run game, but. You you never quite got the feel that the offense was was really clicking. Um, you know the the receivers weren't as prolific outside of Keandre Lambert Smith. They started getting injuries on in that in that unit with Trey Wallace getting injured. So then they really got exposed as not having a receiving core that's really up to snuff. And then uh, the run game, uh, you know, Nick Singleton has has kind of regressed this year. Uh, Katron Allen has has kind of survived with whatever he's been given. Uh, he's kind of turned into the kind of the star back in that room. But I think the the thing I think that's most telling uh, now that we've we've seen them against you know non elite competition and elite competition is the realization is that the offense just wasn't ready. I don't th- I think they were far behind. They had a championship defense that they've practically wasted. Mm-hmm. Uh, cause they did, they did their part in both of those games. Um, you know, they just didn't have the offense to take the pressure off of them. And then eventually they get gouged. Mm-hmm. So I think the realization is that the offense isn't as good. The receiving core, uh, isn't, isn't top shelf and it may be a little early, but I think you have to start wondering, is Drew Aller the real deal? I think a lot of it, 
I think a lot of the hype around Drew kind of surrounds, you know, his attributes, his big arm and his poise and those kind of things. But I think his his attributes have kind of inflated the opinion of him more so than his actual play. I think, you know, it's his second year in the system. He did play last year, so um, he has to be better. Um, and I feel like in a lot of times, I don't know if the play calling was safe to to protect him or if, you know, he's he's not as good as advertised. I think that's that's what the question will have to be going forward as they try to, you know, replace, you know, this will be their sixth offensive coordinator since 2014. I was just, that was my next question was, you know, I believe it would be six next fall will be the 11th season in town for James Franklin. Um, and as you said, the next hire will be the sixth OC. Um, you know, at, at what point does coach Franklin veteran coach, very successful, you know, love his game. But at what point do you ask yourself, maybe are, are you making the, you know, how good are you at hiring offensive coordinators? You're at Penn state. I mean, you're, you're not at, um, you know, not to denigrate any of the other schools, but you're not at a, a lesser program, right? This is one of the top, you know, 20 programs year in, year out. Um, you should be able to get who you want. Um, so what else is wrong here in the mix that, um, you know, that you, you, you can't get some continuity there um, with a guy calling the shots on offense? Well, I think there is, it's two things. One, um, you know, he's, he's had some, he's had some, some guys get hired away. Yeah, uh, I think that that hurt him in in a lot of cases. Uh, I think Joe Moorhead was was one guy that they liked a lot, and and he was hired away. Um, and then you know I think he's been he's been fired, so I think he's actually a free agent coach. And then um, they had another coach, uh, can't, I think his name is R- Ricky Ronnie, and he was, uh, you know, he's still he's still the coach now over at Old Dominion. So those guys you know, were decent fits. They just got hired away. And then there's other guys that just weren't good fits. Um, you know, so they, it's a question of, okay, can we find a guy that fits what we want, but, you know, can we afford to keep him? And, you know, cause I mean, I, I feel like they will, they will have that on the other side of the ball this off season. Cause I'm sure Manny Diaz, who's, you know, he's a, uh, top assistant. I mean, he's getting, he's got head coaching experience. He could be hired away. And if that happens, it's about to get really, really tricky. So uh, I think it's that. And then it's just a matter of um, how much control does the, you know, perspective offensive coordinator actually have. And, you know, how much input does Franklin have in in those decisions, the game plans, things like that. So um, it'll be interesting to see how they do that. I, I hear that, you know, Moorhead could be in play to return to Penn State. Who knows? He might be on that on that short list. Um, if that is the case, it'll be interesting to see, number one, if they if if Drew actually stays because he was your your sister's guy um, and, and how they move forward there. Uh, we want to get uh, more into that. We're going to take a quick timeout, uh, get in a couple of other headlines, then come back with more on uh, Shane Thomas talking about keeping coordinators and also uh, about this Penn State season. And, you know, this was a team that uh, everyone, uh, both insiders and those watching on the periphery, felt this was the year that they could contend with the big two. And um, now they didn't do that. So, Shane Thomas, appreciate your time. Hang with us. Penn State writer from CNHI. Quick timeout here and back with more on the Penn State Sports Spectacular. Keep it here.
Attention business owners, have you filed for your employee retention credit and been approved? Are you now waiting for your refund check from the IRS? Instead of waiting months to a year plus, how would you like to get your ERC money in about 10 days? Now you can. With ERCMoneyUpfront.com, we help business owners that have filed their employee retention credit and been approved to get their money faster. If you're getting between $75,000 and $5 million, we could get you up to a 70% advance on that money in about 10 days. To learn more about how you can get your ERC money faster, call this number right now. Speak with one of our funding specialists and have a text sent to your cell phone with details. 800-279-0419. That's 800-279-0419. This is not a loan product except in California. An offer is not available in the state of Massachusetts. And we're back. Mike Cagley, Brad Sturdy, uh, Larry Smith, Tony Cordero on the on the com. Let, hey, guys, how about, uh, you know, you want to talk about you always have these fairy tale endings to careers. And you're like, oh, they win the last game and they have this. How about the other side of it? You know, Megan Rapinoe, who's been, you know, a great uh, women's soccer player for many, many years, one of the, an all time great, obviously. And she tears her Achilles to kind of to, to end her career in her last game. It's just, I mean, man, that's a terrible way to end it for you. Everybody wants to be Aaron Rodgers, I guess. <laughs> but it, <laughs> I, I, I go back to. He's coming back, though, Mike. He's coming back. Yeah. Exactly. Next week, I'm right? Sure, I'm sure he is. Um, but, you know, you, you, you just go back to you got to wonder what's going on in sports where everybody and their mom tears their Achilles nowadays. Um, but yeah, she, she had a ton of time in the limelight helped really turn, you know, women's soccer into a institution that's, that's bigger than men's soccer. And, you know, it would have been nice to see her get one more game out of it, but unfortunately the it's, it's not going to be that way, but boy, she had a career that a lot of people will try to uh, put into perspective, you know, now that it's over and, and they'll try to fi- figure out where she fits in the pantheon of uh, women's athletes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I don't always agree with everything she, she says or does, you know, when it comes to this stuff, but I do agree that she's a great player. I mean, just, you, you can't, uh, even if you disagree, like I, you know, the men's women's soccer, you know, the soccer pay and different things. I, I didn't always agree with what they said, but I think she's been a great, like stalwart for women's sports. And we need that. We, you know, we needed this because people got to stand up and say, you know, women's sports matter. And, and, you know, if you're going to have this. And so I think she's been great in that regard. It's sad to see her go out this way. I I wish that she could have, could have had that fairy tale ending, right? You win the game, you score the great game winning goal. I mean, that's the way everybody goes out or supposed to go out. Right. Yeah. Instead, it uh, didn't go quite that, that romantically. No, it wasn't quite that good. It wasn't a movie. Um, But Hey, you know what was a fairy tale ending? How about a high school football game where one side was a fairy tale ending? 104 to nothing? How, how does this happen? 83 0 at half, 104 to zero. Okay, we've both coached and we've been on both ends of getting our butts kicked and winning by a lot. And I'm telling you, I never beat anybody 104 to nothing. So uh, my problem was always I had to come home and a- answer to my wife. There was one game. 
this is a true story. When I was coaching junior high basketball, we won like 53 to 14. And I got yelled at after the game. Why did you beat them so badly? That is terrible. I can't believe you did that. I said, I played 15 guys. I didn't even play my starters in the second half. I we 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 held the ball. What do you want me to do? And she's like, we didn't press. And she's like, well, I think you should have let them score. I said, okay, well, sorry. Well, 104 to zero was a little bit on the other end in football. Yeah, well, I guess you have to figure, you know, you you scored quite a few touchdowns in the first half there, and then you cut it down to three in the second half. The problem is, is in a lot of those games, you hand off the ball to absorb the clock. And then what happens is, is you find out if you're that much better that you end up getting 12 yards carry and then it doesn't even matter. And so I'm, I'm assuming that's what they tried to do in the second half, but uh, you know, in the end, there's, there's gotta be a different, but you, you know, do you start putting your knee down in the third quarter and then punting after four plays? So I think you challenge your guys say, we're only going to put 10 guys on defense this play. (laughs) <laughs> and see if we can stop them. And then we'll go to nine. If we can stop them with 10, we'll go to nine. I'm going to really challenge you guys. Remember, it's like in practice. You remember in practice when you used to let the other team, you, you'd have your second team have like seven or eight guys on the yep. press to yep. simulate it. That's they should have let that team, okay, put extra guys on the field. Maybe, maybe we need to add that to the to the rule book. So, something during during that that time when you're when you're the blowout rule. And of course, it, probably the other part is it's nice when the you get the running clock, which helps it go down quicker as well. Well, speaking of running clocks, let's talk about this. I think the Clippers are hoping the clock runs out on their time with James Harden. <laughs> it hasn't been long, and it's been too long. James Harden, I mean, there is no question that James Harden can play offense. He can score points. He's a, He knows he's talented, whatever. But man, he just doesn't fit anywhere, does he? No, he doesn't. And I got to be honest with you, you can already see the Clippers setting the table to get rid of Russell Westbrook of all the thing, you know, because they didn't get along earlier in their careers at Houston or Oklahoma City. And I think Russell's going to be traded in the next few months and he can still help another team. Um but I think you're going to be in a situation where, you know, Harden's going to be the cancer that destroys yet another NBA team and why anyone would trade for him is beyond me. Yeah, it's, it's shocking. So, you know, the, these are kind of things that we, you know, just, we, this is why we're here, Mike, to, to wax poetic on these important <laughs> things in sports. So, all right, we'll be back right after this. Life can be full of risks. One thing you shouldn't take a risk with ever is your family's health insurance. If you're self-employed or you now need affordable health insurance, you need to make this free call right now and see how the health insurance helpline can help you get it. We specialize in helping the self-employed and people just like you that need affordable health insurance to get it. We have short and long-term health insurance plans and some even cover dental, vision, and prescription drugs. Don't take a risk with your family's health insurance. It's not worth it. If you're self-employed or now need affordable health insurance, call right now and learn for free how to get it. Listen, affordable health insurance plans for everyone just like you are a free phone call away. So give us a shout right now. 800-373-8414. 800-373-8414. 800-373-8414. That's 800-373-8414. 
Fans of big sports radio and sports spectacular podcasts have a new home on the Chief Sports Network. Find your favorite programs and content all in one place by downloading the Chief Sports app in your mobile device. Created in South Carolina, the Chief Sports Network is the home of an expanding network of live and podcast format programming. It is also the home of one of the leading national college football podcasts, J.C. and Morgan, hosted by ESPN's Mike Morgan and 24-7 Sports' J.C. Sherbert. Download the Chief Sports app for free and find all of your favorite programming under one easy umbrella. Thanks to all of our markets for your loyal support of Big Sports Radio and our Sports Spectacular podcast, and we look forward to connecting with you anywhere in the world on the Chief Sports app. You're listening to the Penn State Guys Radio Network. Right back here in the Penn State Sports Spectacular, uh, Larry Smith, Mike Kegley, Brad Sturdy, and we are joined once again. Uh, happy to stay with us, uh, taking up a lot of his time. The meter is running. Uh, Shane Thomas, he's the Penn State writer for CNN HI. And a moment ago, we were talking about um, the issue with coordinators. And again, uh, Mike Yurcich is out after three seasons uh, in state college. Um, possibility again, some names coming in. Like I said, possibly Manny Diaz leaving. Certainly, he's got a lot of um, a, a lot of press and deservedly so. Um, talk about from a, a football standpoint, we've we've seen this happen at Clemson that you know fans and the media kind of down on what's happened at Clemson. Um, not taking into account that you you know that Dabo Swinney lost um, both coordinators from the from the heydays, right? I mean, you know, one guy's at Virginia, one guy's now at Oklahoma. Um, talk about how different it is, even as the the head of the program, the guy who makes all the millions and you know who's a household name to maintain that same level when you take your top lieutenants out of the mix and have to find replacements. It's tough. I think, um, you know, a, a, a thing I've had to use in the newspaper business is that good help is hard to find and it's even harder to keep. And, you know, as a guy that was, that was a one man band at a newspaper and, and you become like that, that guy. And, you know, you can, you can do that for a while, but eventually it just wears you down. Now in college football, you know, circling back around the transfer portal can help you kind of close that gap, you know, and, and uh, your willingness to use the portal could determine whether or not, you know, you, you leapfrog back up to where you were. If you stay in the middle, I think, uh, Penn State has done a good job in the portal and they've done a good job in recruiting. That's never been the issue, but um, they've just had they've had, you know, guys get hired away and maybe maybe guys not fit. So I think with with Coach Franklin, um, he just has to continue to do what he does best, which is recruit and, and you know, get out there and kind of shake the trees for guys and see what they can get. And um, but he, he's you know, when you when you get when you get good coaches you know, other people want those coaches as well. And and they're, they'd be willing to to fork up the money or, you know, in Texas A&M's case, you know, pay a guy to stay home. Pay him a lot of money to stay home. Right. Think of the things you could do with that, you know. Some an expensive money. couch to sit on, right? That's right, exactly. That included the money they're going to spend on hiring coaches to replace these guys. You're exactly <laughs> right. Um, you know, and I think that's uh, that's the thing that I think when you get a program that's been able, I you know, Alabama's an example right now, right? They're the, you know, the standard bearer for the moment and um, one of the obviously great all-time programs. But the fact that Nick Saban is able to consistently in that league 
um, win 10, 11 games year in, year out, even though he's got rotating coordinators. I mean, how many guys have left this program to go be head coaches at other SEC schools or other power five schools? And yet they find a way to once again, get right back on top. They recruit at the highest level, still win at the highest level. Um, you know, you get kids who don't mind sitting a year or two. They understand that their turn's coming. And so he's just got this machine going to me. It makes that even more impressive that he's able to do that. Right. And, and, you know, you have that successful coaching tree and that that's that I think that speaks to a lot. Um, also, you know, Alabama's a brand. I think Penn State also is a brand. I agree. Uh, the bigger the brand, the more people want to be a part of that. And I think Franklin, that that's that's a huge selling point. I mean, it's it's different at Penn State than it would be at Kent State. Um, you know, in Alabama is, is a standard. Georgia is a standard. So um I think that's a that's a huge that's a huge key, but it's also you know, it, trying to balance between making sure you have the right people in place and also making sure that you're not hurting the brand. I think that's the the ultimate juggling act for any coach. Yeah, no question. Talking with uh, Shane Thomas once again, Penn State writer for CNNHI. Um, great follow on Twitter, by the way. His guy is um, um, always has great insights. We appreciate his time here. On the show, I want to talk a little bit about this Nittany Lions 2023 season. When we talked earlier, um, you know, again, we said we this this was a team. It's James Franklin's best team since uh, arriving in Happy Valley. It is, you know, this is the team that's primed to take down the big two in the East, you know, Ohio State and Michigan. And now here, here we sit a week before Thanksgiving and they went 0-2 against Michigan. Um, I, I guess here's the thing that I, I feel like for this team, it, it's 10th season for James Franklin, right? Um, you're still, you're two wins away and two wins you can get um, away from a fifth double digit win season. Just missed a six back in 2018. They went nine and four. Um, where does this program go from here? I mean, it's not like it, it's a bad program. I mean, it's still one of the, it's one of the best um, I'd say elite, but you're not that super elite. We've talked before that it's you're on that that you're that doorstep. You're the step right before entering the house. You know, getting in the big house. What's next for this program um, as they evolve? Again, new coordinators possibly next year, and as well uh, a new Big Ten with four new teams coming in. All four very strong programs that will make getting to 10-11 wins even harder for the existing Big Ten teams. That that's the million dollar question. That's the million dollar question. <laughs> Do because, <I> the answer? <laughs> yeah, because you you just you. You have to look at it. it's like okay they they went out they got bigger uh, both development and bringing guys in they went out and got bigger because they wanted to contend with Michigan they 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 maintained having a very long athletic group defensively um, to handle in Ohio State the problem is the offense just you just didn't get the offense this time I think. You know, if 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 Drew Aller is as good as advertised, you still have good running backs that'll be juniors next year, assuming that they stay with the program. Um, but they got to get better at wide receiver. They have to. Uh, Keandre Keandre's a, a very good player. He he will be playing on Sundays. I'm I'm convinced. It's just who do you get next to him that makes that you know makes that better for them. Um, a lot of the guys they brought in just didn't pan out. Uh, Malik McLean, they brought, brought in. He had a really good game against West Virginia, and then he just kind of fell off the face of the earth. Uh, Malik Mega, they had they had uh, he was a team captain, I think, at the start of the year, and he didn't he didn't get to play a whole lot. Uh, Dante Cephas was a was a top recruit 
you know, at receiver and and he didn't pan out either. He had he had a breakout uh in a game and I think had two touchdowns against Maryland. And you know, but you know, once you step back and kind of take like a thirty thousand foot view of it, uh, you know, they'll they'll most likely win, you know, 10 games and and you look at this and you know, and and make a bowl game appearance. There's a lot of teams that don't do that. So right. it's but then it becomes okay, are we content with we can't win the games that we absolutely should win, and it's only going to get tougher, as you mentioned, versus um, are we beating the teams we need to beat? Mm-hmm. You know, and and that that's the challenge. And and the the rep now is, you know, the first thing I saw on Twitter when they when they fired Mike Yersich was you basically had fans like rubbing their hands together, going, Okay, now do Franklin. And <laughs> You know, it just I I, I don't know. I, I feel like I don't think Penn State's in the business of wanting to pay huge buyouts like Texas A&M. Uh, I mean, Franklin has like, what, eight years left on his deal. He just signed, you know, a, a massive extension, you know, a couple years ago. So I think you're you're kind of set with the coach. I don't think he's a bad coach um, and, and they are successful. It's just a matter of getting the pieces in place, both players and personnel. Or not, not coaching personnel and players to make that work for them. Uh, that's just the next step. You got a five-star quarterback, and now he's got to prove it. Yeah, yeah. I, I just I think about the situ- situation with John Cooper. Uh, and this is you know, uh, I'm, you know, dating myself here before your times. You're a young, younger man than I am, but um, you know, here's a coach who won eight, nine, ten games every year, but couldn't beat Michigan. Mm-hmm. And and was booted, you know. It's like, it's like you know. At what point does you know nine, ten wins a year and a New Year's Six bowl game year in year out? When does that not become enough for the fans and more importantly the boosters? And when does that you know that belly aching start? Yeah, you don't you don't want to be, you know. I, I made this analogy before. I, I think I can tighten it a little bit. Um, when I was talking with Tony uh, a few weeks ago, like. You don't want to be the Doc Rivers of college football, where you can you can get the team through the regular season. It's okay, but ultimately you don't you don't actually win anything of consequence. Bowl game is nice. It is. I'm sure you get you get nice uh, silverware for that. But uh, at the same time, it, it's it's not where you want to go. Like it, it's success, but there's levels to that success. You don't want to be the regular season coach that can't win the big one and. And right now, that's kind of that's kind of the wrap on Franklin. And and if if they continue to do that, I don't know if he'll be here that much longer. He may get hired away. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. Or he may stay ahead of the of the pack. You know, who knows? Um, I All hear right. there's there's a school down in Texas that pays very very well looking right. for a coach. <laughs> <laughs> so. Right. I, I've seen him. I've seen him. Uh, I've seen that name thrown about with Texas A and M. Justin Keck. I mean, they have bottomless pockets. So. Yeah. Yeah, they got the facilities and, uh, you know, I, I, you know, take the Buzz Williams escape, stay ahead of the posse and, you know, do that thing. So I hope not because I'm a, I'm a big fan of Coach Franklin, Franklin, and I hope that he uh, stays in town. So, but again, eight and two, uh, two very winnable games. If you're the Nittany Lions, uh, home against Rutgers, it's a noon start um, on FS1 this weekend. And then uh, next week, um, they're back on NBC. Kind of cool. Friday night game, uh, actually at Ford Field at the, at the Lions Dome there in Detroit, taking on Michigan State. And uh, they should handle the Spartans. And then again, at this point, 10 and two and looking for uh, what should be a very nice uh, bowl assignment. Shane, as always, enjoy the weekend. Happy Thanksgiving to you. Enjoy your first Thanksgiving up there in central PA. And uh, we'll talk with you soon. Thank you. You as well. I appreciate it.
Appreciate you. Uh, Shane Thomas, again, he's the Penn State writer for CNNHI and a friend of the show. Good to have him on here. We've got more to come after this. Stay with us. How is your car payment treating you? What if I told you you could make a free phone call right now and reduce your car payment by as much as $83 a month? Look at your car payment closely. You could be paying as high as 20% interest. Rate Genius can help you reduce your car payments by reducing your interest rate to as low as 2.48% APR. We can refinance most existing car loans or leased cars, new or used, and save you money every month. Put more money back in your pocket. The call is free to find out how low we can lower your car payment. Five minutes of your time right now could save you hundreds of dollars a year. Call Rate Genius now. 800-425-1161. 800-425-1161. That's 800-425-1161. Not all applicants qualify for a loan or rate savings. Actual offer terms, including APR, are determined at the time of your application based on creditworthiness, value of the vehicle, loan term, and other factors. What's the best way to get rid of a timeshare that you don't want? Call the Timeshare Exit Hotline. We're a group of attorneys at help customers legally exit their timeshares. It's an easy process. We guarantee results or you pay nothing. Exit your timeshare today. Call now. 800-715-6093. 800-715-6093. That's 800-715-6093. Mike, you and I talk college hoops each week on Sturdy for 30, but we're going to bring it to the radio show this week and have a little college hoops chat. Did you get a chance to watch any of the games on Tuesday night? Some of those, a uh, bunch of ranked matchups, right? Yeah, there were some fantastic games. Duke and um, Michigan State was one that I thought uh, was particularly interesting. Duke got out to an early lead and then, you know, really kind of maintained it. It made it really hard for Michigan State to make runs to get it that close. Yeah, that was a good game. It's interesting. Michigan State, man, they cannot shoot. They're shooting 16% from three-point range this year. I think that's bad. Um, that's not a good thing. Um, and, and so, you know, but obviously they battle, they compete. Duke just had a little bit more on this night. Uh, Kentucky, Kansas was another great matchup we we liked to see that we saw earlier that night. And, you know, Kentucky struggles in the, you know, or takes the lead in the first half, looks like they're gonna win. Kansas showed the veteran that they have. Hunter Dickinson, man, dude, it, he looks like he was meant to play for Bill Self with his 27 and 21 or whatever it was. I mean, uh, Kansas, you know, I, I wasn't sold on them being number one, but they got the job done in this one. Yeah, Kentucky went ice cold from the three in the second half. And then Hunter Dickinson down the stretch, he was seemed like he got every rebound. And if he couldn't get the rebound, he would tip it to somebody else on his team. And he forced fouls in the paint on on Kentucky's defense. I, I really thought that, you know, Hunter is, he's Hunter. But, you know, he really was, to me, the differentiator down the stretch. You know, maybe Kentucky could have got back into it, but not with him patrolling the paint and causing all the havoc that he was causing. Yeah, no question. It, it, you know, we saw another great game, Marquette and Illinois, uh, two top 25 teams going head-to-head on Tuesday night. Marquette gets the win. They earned that number four ranking, man. They they are a really quality team. Tyler Kolick, Big East Player of the Year, Big East Preseason Player of the Year. He was fantastic, uh, taking on Terrence Shannon and uh, and his crew at Illinois. And you know the Illini look good too. Uh, it's going to be a, they're going to be a factor in the Big Ten. How about Mike? 
how about having these matchups early in the season? How great is this for college basketball? Non-conference teams going head-to-head, top 25 teams. So much fun. Yeah, that's where people who say cheat you're cheapening the 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 college football championship by going to 12 teams. And my argument would be you're actually making the season more entertaining because you can afford to lose a game, which means we'll see more, you know, Ohio State playing Notre Dame, assuming Notre Dame can count to 11. You'll see more, um, you know, uh, Texas and Alabama's. And boy, if you add, you know, some marquee matchups and spread them out through the month of September, now college football is going to be going toe-to-toe up against the NFL for the attention across the country. And that's that's not a small statement. Yeah, no question. And we, we've had weeks when we've looked at college football and said, there's not really any great matchups this exactly. week. And, and that's, you don't get that in college basketball. There's good matchups every week. And because of that, one one cool game was, um, there's two, two games I want to talk about. One, Villanova and Penn. What a fun matchup this was. Villanova, or Villanova loses to Penn. Penn rushes the court. You know, what a great event. Now, Villanova, on the other hand, maybe not at the Jay Wright level right now. <laughs> no, if you if you had any questions on how good of coach Jay Wright is and the national titles didn't tip you off, this should because he was he was he was probably arguably he and Bill Self are the two best coaches in college basketball. And there is a massive void where Jay Wright used to be. Yes. He's, they need to put a cardboard cut out of Jay right on the <laughs> sideline. But no, and then the other game, how about James Madison? Down by five, 3.8 seconds to go, have to go link the floor. They throw it in bounds. They hit the three, 1.2 seconds, get draw the offensive foul on the inbounds, and then inbound and score, and then end up winning in overtime. Did you watch that? I That's, did not watch that. What a, I mean, James Madison, of course, the same team that beat Michigan State then wins that game, and then they went, beat a NCAA tournament team from last year in Howard to go to 3-0, and James Madison Dukes mid-major team of the week. Uh, and I, I'll tell you, the game I watched was Iowa and Creighton. And my goodness, those guys filled it up. You look at the shooting on those two teams. Now, I'm not saying either of them is much for defense, but when you play those teams, they are so good you really have to be hitting shots if you think you're going to beat them. I don't think you can just you can just defend them and and win a game. Yeah, you got to score. Um, you know, I I think Creighton's really good. Um, it's going to be interesting. That Big East may not have the depth, but those top teams, Marquette and UConn and Creighton, woo, that be fun. That's college hoops. Hey, airline travelers, let's say you have a problem and you need to change or cancel an existing airline reservation. What do you do? Well, Skywatch is a free service that can help anyone with any airline reservation fix it. Whether you want to cancel it, change your dates, or add passengers, we can help fix your airline reservations so you get exactly what you need. We've updated our computer database and now have access to every airline around the globe. So now you can make one phone call, regardless of who booked your airline ticket, and we'll change it, cancel it, and fix it for you. We know the insider secrets to fixing reservations that the airlines don't want you to know about. So if you need to cancel, change, or modify an existing airline reservation, call Skywatch right now. It's a free call, so let us fix it for you. 800-413-7158. 800-413-7158. 
800-413-7158. That's 800-413-7158. You know, I didn't mind going out on a limb, and I believed in my picks last week, gentlemen, as we wrap up the show and make our picks here for this week. Uh, kudos to both these fine gentlemen. Handsome, devilishly handsome. They're the sexiest men alive, and they can pick games like no other. Both 4-0 last week to whip my butt down the street. Uh, I'll try to do better this week. All right. Uh, Larry, can we can we talk season long? I, I think I've I, only oh, missed one game this I year. I started trying this week. The last week, I mean. Yeah. <laughs> Brad is, <laughs> Brad's like the he, he's like the the 96 Bulls. I mean, he just 97 Bulls. I mean, it just he just doesn't miss. I'm it's, it's insane. Uh, you know, Nostradamus. He really is. Yeah. Nostradamus. Yeah. Nostradamus. It's it's kind of crazy because I expect to miss games now because I'm due. Yeah, <laughs> you're, you're like you're like Jordan against the Blazers in the '92 Finals. You're looking over at Marv Albert, going, "I don't know. I just, I don't know. I don't know. It just going keeps in. going in. I don't know. I, I don't know how winning. it's happening. But. Yeah, I just, I win. That's what I do. I win. Charlie Sheen's impressed at the winning. <laughs> uh, winning Tiger blood. <laughs> Tiger blood. Let's start the SEC with uh, you know pretty good rivalry, but it's you know look Georgia is Georgia right now. Georgia at Tennessee. Who you got? I, I like Georgia in this game because I just don't think Tennessee's going to be able to do enough offensively uh, against Georgia to to win this one. But I, I will say this: that is a tough place to play. It, it, it'll be raucous. It'll be crazy. And the the one thing that only gives me tennis, hope for Tennessee is that Georgia has to have a bad game at some point, don't they? Where they just kind of melt down, right? Because every team does. Maybe they will. But no, I I'm picking Georgia. Yeah, I think actually Georgia's going to make uh, make this an easy game. I think by the third quarter they'll have it well in hand and might even threaten to to turn this into a blowout. You know, it's just a rumor. Actually, it's not. It's just me talking out of my out of my head. But I think what Kirby Smart did all week was he just played Rocky Top during practice, just on a loop over and over, <laughs> just, and just over, like the game. Over. Just yeah. like the game. <laughs> my first ever game at Neelam was in '91. By the end of the first quarter, oh I was going to satellite truck. For aspirin, I just was like, "This is insane." <laughs> uh, I'm going Georgia too. I guess I learned my lesson before. Um, they're going to stomp, stomp on them with a hobnail boot. That's right. Our producer Tony, uh, I like, I like that. Hey, okay, Pac-12, another incredible game. Listen, it's too bad these guys are breaking up, Beatles, because you've been fantastic in uh, in 2023. The Huskies at Oregon State, maybe one of the most overlooked teams in the country. This is a this is a pretty good game. Yeah, Oregon State's actually favored by two and a half in this game. Crazy, crazy. It's, it's wild when you think about that because Washington's ranked, you know, fifth in the country undefeated. But Oregon State's been really good. Um, I, I do like their team. I think that Washington wins this game, though, because I think that they Michael Penix will make enough plays for them to win down the stretch in a, in a tight one. And I'm going to go, I, I actually think, I'm just going to go fate here, but I think, with the with the Pac two winning their lawsuit, at least the first round of it, <laughs> uh, against the rest of the Pac twelve, I think Oregon State's going to take that in court momentum and bring it onto the football field, and and I think they are going to upset Washington, which then makes an open path for both Georgia and um, Georgia and Alabama potentially to get into the championship. 
Oh, I like that. Yeah. How about Oregon State and Washington State? Uh, again, cry not for me. Uh, two teams that have the control of like half a billion dollar war chest, right? Um, maybe they weren't so dumb after all. You guys yeah. should have you guys should have paid attention and included them in your plans as you were packing to leave. Uh, I'll take the Huskies in this one. Um, I, I agree. I think Oregon State's playing so well. Um, but I've, I've been picking the Huskies all year, and I'm going to stick with that. I'm pretty stubborn. To the ACC now. This was a this is a tough matchup. North Carolina at Clemson. So North Carolina's ranked, but in this game, Clemson is a touchdown favorite. Now I think touchdown is too much, but I I am taking Clemson. I think Clemson wins this game. I think Dabo's on a on a revenge tour against all the Clemson fans who doubted him and all the rest of the country. I think they're going to fire it up. They're going to win this game and, and beat North Carolina. Although I will, I do love North Carolina's quarterback. I still do. So anyway, but yeah, Clemson. Yeah, I think I think Tyler from Bumble, wherever in the southeast, actually that caller fired up Dabo, and I think he has unified this Clemson team. Probably eight weeks too late into their season to make a big difference, but I actually think Clemson is gonna they're gonna pull this one away from North Carolina and put North Carolina out of the top twenty five. Well, I, I shouldn't uh, pick against Sturdy, but I'm going to. I'm going to go North Carolina on the road in this one. Uh, I believe in Mac Brown um, to, to make it happen. So there you go. We will see um, if I go 0 for 3, which I won't. All right. Hey, guess what? Clock on the wall says we're done. We're out of time. Boy, we had a busy, busy show. Thanks to everyone who came by, and we appreciate it. Thanks to you for listening. Enjoy the games. Enjoy the weekend. We're right back here next week. I know it's it's turkey. I know, but Mike will eat the turkey, and once he wakes up, we'll do the show. All right. For Brad and Mike, I'm Larry. Take care. Enjoy the games. Enjoy the weekend. See you next week. The preceding program is a product of Rise Above Productions, Provision Sound. Join us next week for the latest edition of Penn State Guys Sports Spectacular.